0: You are listening to the GMO Truth, straight out of The Walk-A-Mile Project, brought to you by a non-profit film company, Change the World Films. Tune in here to discover the truth and change the world together. Hey everyone, this is Eric Battersby at The Walk-A-Mile Project, back after just a little bit too long to bring you the fourth GMO Truth podcast. I apologize for that extra week or so. It has just been crazy busy at Changing World Films, especially since we thought filming wouldn't start until May. And instead, we have our first in-person interview on tap late next week. Uh, Then just a couple of nights ago, I personally recorded a town hall meeting here in Phoenix addressing GMOs and the TPP, otherwise known as the Trans-Pacific Partnership, which we will talk about briefly at the end of the cast today. Now, in the last episode here, we revealed our very first GMO truth. So, this whole simple yet very time consuming process of questions, investigations, truth, now goes back to the questions part of the sequence. And here's where we really start moving. We'll have at least two to three sequences going at the same time pretty much from this point forward. So, so I hope you are all ready because it's going to get a little crazy. Um, before we jump in today, I've got a few very quick walk a mile project updates to pass along. First off, any of our subscribers who submitted questions to the very first podcast, Your t-shirts are now in stock. We'll be picking them up over the weekend and shipping them out next week, so look for your Walk-A-Mile Project t-shirts in the mail really soon. We'll also be putting those t-shirts up online for anyone who wants to get their own. A $20 donation not only gets you a shirt, it also directly supports the Walk-A-Mile Project, and I'm kind of thinking that's a win-win. We're also launching a new content hub at walkamileproject.com later next week. It's actually a a new GMO blog, which will serve as kind of a, a quick reference for some of the research we do online, and it'll also bring in other voices that can speak to both sides of the GMO controversy. I'll be curating most of the content myself and, and, of course, offering up the Walk-A-Mile Project's logical take anytime it's appropriate. So we'll be welcoming more and more people from around the web to join the discussion at walkamileproject.com, which is really important for our reach, and that, that's one of the core missions of our project is to is to get the word out to as many people in the world as possible. Having said that, the new blog will also have a very important caveat at the top of every single post because that blog is not the core work of the Walk Mile project. It's simply a reference tool to see some of the different perspectives out there. And we need to make sure that is crystal clear. We'll also have a link at the top of every single post directing readers to our GMO questions, investigations, and truth content so everyone knows where to go for our actual body of work. You know, we're working extremely hard to become the number one place online for finding the truth about GMOs. And the new blog here will just help us reach more and more people each week. So it's a, it's a really good thing. I'm looking forward to it. Okay, last update, I promise. For all of our subscriber donors, you should receive an email with your login information by March 23rd. If you don't, please send an email to support at walkamileproject.com right away and let us know so we can fix it. The login will get you access to subscriber-specific areas on site which includes early access to some content, uh, exclusive behind-the-scenes videos, and a bunch of other things we're developing as we move forward here uh, with the project. If you are not a subscriber yet and would like to be, just head over to walkamileproject.com and click the Join the Project link, which is in the top menu of any page on site. It's really easy to sign up. It's not expensive, and it's a tax-deductible donation for you that also keeps the walk a Mile Project going strong. And for our annual donor subscription, we actually just put up 10 limited subscriptions where if you subscribe for the year, we will send you one of those new t-shirts I talked about for free. All right, let's get to it because we have some important topics to cover today. Uh, Quick review. Our first GMO truth, which we unveiled on the last podcast, was this. Because of Monsanto's tainted, ugly past and their questionable previous actions, we absolutely must dig deeper into the GMO controversy until we are certain that we know the truth. Anytime we choose a crucial issue for a phase of the walk-a-mile project, that's essentially a minimum two-year commitment for us because we need at least a few months of preliminary research up front, and we can expect the project itself to run for 18 to 24 months. The reason we block out so much time for what at face value may seem to just be a documentary is because I believe that if you want to solve a problem, you need to take it back to the very beginning, and sometimes the beginning is a lot earlier than, than you might even realize. For GMOs, Monsanto's a smart, shrewd company, and, and we would expect them to learn from past mistakes in their preparation for bringing GMOs to the marketplace. We needed to take it back to long before GMOs existed to look at those previous mistakes they made, and now that we've all seen just how badly they behaved in the past, it's time to move forward. And we use that knowledge as an important guide for which stones we overturn next as we search for the truth. So, today, I'm actually going to introduce three new GMO questions, which will pop up on the website over the next several days, and and we will officially launch three new sequences all at the same time. I know, we were on one sequence for about a month, but things are really ramping up right now, and I I think these, these are absolutely crucial questions to the extent that the entire GMO safety evaluations and the GMO approval process, it essentially hinges on these questions, so it's important to note for for both sides of this controversy because you are both gMO truth listeners that this is not a pro or anti gMO endeavor we're here for the truth that's what it's important to note. we are here for the truth, and it's also important to note that we're not digging into safety studies yet. It's not time as as part of the and I know I've said that before, but as part of the documentary, we need to completely understand the processes created and, and really the infrastructure that was created to handle gMOs and so the first question which i think a lot of people may already know the answer to but it's too important not to cover is this we've been doing crop modifications so to speak for centuries but is the process for creating the GMOs that were introduced to our food supply in the 1990s drastically different than any of those previous methods now I know the answer to that one already but this is one question where we really need to hear from you because I want to see what the different perspectives are right now of the newer GMO technology as it relates to what we've already used for centuries in agriculture. It's a really important point to get across. And it is time to literally give you, our GMO Truth listeners, your own voices in the Walk-A-Mile Project. So starting today, if you head over to walkamileproject.com and visit any of our podcast pages, including the main page that lists all the episodes, you will see a little widget. On the right side that says, send a voice message to be heard on the next GMO truth. You just need to make sure you've got a working microphone set up on whatever device you're using to view the website. And then click the start recording button. It's really easy and we will put you on the next podcast. So remember, use that widget and let us know your answer to this question. We've been doing crop modifications, so to speak, for centuries. But is the process for creating the GMOs that were introduced to our food supply in the 1990s drastically different than any of those previous methods so please head over to walkmileproject.com let us know what you think and i'll respond to all recorded answers on the next gmo truth podcast when you're on the walk project website make sure you are signed up for our email list if you aren't already so that you can get first notification when the new podcast goes live there's a quick free sign up box in the bottom right and there's also a new pdf um, that kind of summarizes our our first sequence uh, about why we need to dig deeper. You can click on that PDF and it will also take you to a little opt-in screen where you can just give us your name and email real quick. And by the way, when you do sign up, you automatically get a copy of that PDF emailed to you for free. So that's just something we're going to do every step of the way. We want people to be able to take pieces of this away without having to be on the website all the time. So you'll see uh, new PDFs kind of pop up all the time. Pretty much almost any time we finish the sequence, we'll create a new PDF to use to just come on, and give us your email, and, and we'll send you the free PDF. It's, it's kind of our way of welcoming you to the project and introducing you to what we're working on. So, Okay, next question we are putting into the Walk-A-Mile Project's questions investigation truth machine. Relates to a term known as substantial equivalence. Substantial equivalence was and is a massive component of GMO regulation in the United States. And we've learned so much about Monsanto over the past several weeks here that I thought we should go straight to the GMO pioneers for their take on this whole concept of substantial equivalence. Here is what they have to say right on their website. As long as the introduced gene protein is determined safe, an initial step in the safety assessment, and the GM and non-GM crops are alike in all respects, the GM crop is said to be substantially equivalent or equal to their conventional counterparts and are not expected to pose any health risks. Experts in the field of food safety are satisfied that this approach is sufficient and reliable to assure that GM crops are as safe as their conventional counterparts. This expert community does not see a need and thus does not recommend long-term testing humans in order to establish food safety. There's also a link to that on our podcast page if you'd like to go read more about it and and I encourage you to peruse Monsanto's site. They've got a lot of information out there including videos. It's a good it's a good way to learn about what uh, what their side of the story is here. Now we're mainly just unveiling questions today which means I'm only really skimming the surface of of the investigation already underway, so I I won't go into crazy detail here until we're further along, but this is a counter viewpoint, I guess you could call it, to, to that Monsanto website statement I just read. I'm going to play you a brief excerpt from an interview between journalist and documentary filmmaker Marie Monique Robin and former FDA employee Dr. James Mariansky. This is actually a clip from Marie's film, The World According to Monsanto, and James Mariansky was a biotechnology coordinator at the FDA from 1985 until 2006, which means he held that position in 1992 when the whole substantial equivalence concept became part of official FDA policy. So here, take a listen. Basically, the government had taken a decision that it would not create new laws, that it felt there were already sufficient laws in place that had enough authority for the agencies to deal with new technologies. That means the White House asked the agency to write a policy where GMO should not be submitted to a specific regulatory regime, but it's not based on scientific data. It's a political decision? Yes, it was a political decision. It was a very broad decision that didn't apply to just foods. It applied to all products of biotechnology. So we've got Monsanto telling us that a community of experts completely backs substantial equivalents, And then we've got an FDA official telling us that substantial equivalence was a political decision, not one even based on science. So somewhere in all of that sits the truth. And you can bet we'll be digging into that for a few weeks. So let's get the official question documented here. And and it is actually in two parts as follows. How was the concept of substantial equivalence created? And can we trust it for GMO safety approvals? So that's the second sequence we're kicking off uh, right here on this podcast today. Now, Let's move on to the last sequence I'm going to unveil, which relates to a real hot-button topic right now across the U.S., that of GMO labeling. Colorado voters just absolutely trounced the GMO labeling initiative on their ballots last November. Uh, The other state that had an initiative was Oregon, where the vote went absolutely down to the wire. They actually did a recount, and it was so close. It, It really could have gone either way. But regardless of any differences in vote count, there were two key similarities in both states. First. The result was the same. The GMO labeling bills failed. It doesn't matter how close it was. It failed in both states. And second, millions of dollars poured into the anti-GMO labeling side in both states, including over $11 million combined just in Oregon between Monsanto and DuPont. So obviously there's a lot at stake here for those two companies, or they wouldn't be throwing millions of dollars in the mix here to try to influence voters. And with so much at stake, I think it's super important that we get to the bottom of this one ASAP so that for any future ballot initiatives, we can at least help educate voters and make sure they are well informed on what truly is the issue. It may seem a little early to put this one up as a question, but I think we need to keep it at the forefront and make it a priority as best as we can, at least within the logical progression we're using to resolve the GMO controversy in general. We're certainly not going to muddle up our work on the big picture question just because the GMO... Labeling issue is a hot topic, but it definitely belongs on our radar. So here's the exact question. Do American citizens deserve the right to know if there are genetically modified organisms in their food? All right, that's a pretty cut and dry and simple question. But I'll tell you right now, step one of, of that sequence is to clearly define what is meant by genetically modified organisms, because that's part of the issue that gets cloudy for people who are first learning about GMOs especially when their first education on the subject comes in the form of ads that are created to scare them away from labeling. You'll see a video of this in a post on either our GMO questions or our GMO investigation blog uh, at walkmileproject.com because it's crucial that we communicate the clear definition here. And it's directly related to that first question I mentioned earlier, which is, We've been doing crop modifications, so to speak, for centuries, but is the process for creating the GMOs that were introduced to our food supply in the 1990s drastically different than any of those previous methods? That's why I threw that question out there first today, because going forward, a lot hinges on that one answer. It's an important piece of the GMO labeling sequence as well. We need to understand what makes those 1990s and on GMOs different than when we would do other so-called genetic modifications of our crops in the past all right so we've got three new sequences essentially kicking off all at once and next week you'll see the start of that content start to trickle in on the website just make sure you're at least on our free subscriber list so that you get our email updates and can easily stay up to speed on what's happening without having to scrounge around for info because in the last few weeks there has been a lot of things we've added And we're doing a whole sequence of emails in the next week to 10 days just to introduce it to people kind of slowly without sending out one giant email uh, that would take an hour to read that no one would read anyway because that's way too much information at once. Okay, so late next week we interview a Canadian farmer who does farm some GMO crops and portions of that interview will very likely be included in the next GMO Truth podcast, which we will have for you near the end of March here we're, we're we're back on our normal schedule again thankfully so you'll be hearing from us every 10 days to 2 weeks. In the meantime, I know this was a shorter podcast kind of kind of by design because of where we're at with our sequences right now, but I did want to extend it a little bit at the end here to touch on the Trans-Pacific Partnership that I mentioned briefly back in the intro today. Now, the Trans-Pacific Partnership, if you haven't heard of it, it's it's an international trade deal that's been in the works since 2007, but Right now, it sounds like President Obama is trying to gain fast track authority to complete the negotiations on this deal. The reason I'm bringing this up on the GMO truth is that there's concern that requiring acceptance of GMO crops could be included in the partnership and could give biotech companies the ability to sue other countries for lost revenue based on those countries' specific laws that may ban GMOs or require labeling and and things like that. Now, now the key point is that this whole thing is kind of a big secret. Not that they're creating this trade deal, that's not a secret, but what's in it? I mean, the American people don't get to see it. And the fast track is really trying to limit the time that our elected officials in Washington even get to see it. The whole thing has a little bit of a Star Wars Phantom Menace kind of feel to it, which is making a lot of people nervous. And you can understand that Now, it's not really in the scope of the Walk Mile Project right now, but I wanted to make all of our listeners aware so that you can look into it and and see if it's something you want to contact your elected officials to fight against or, you know, particularly the whole fast track notion. I mean, that's the most disturbing part of it, I think. Now, I can't speak to it as an expert whatsoever, which means I'm going to stop speaking about it. But I've included a couple of links on our podcast page if you want to learn more. One of them is an NPR article from December 2014 titled, Some Liberals and Tea Partiers Unite. To oppose trade deals. Those kinds of articles always appeal to me because with issues this big, we're beyond political parties and those kinds of agendas. It's the exact same thing with GMOs. This isn't left or right. We don't even discuss left or right here at Walk Mile. It's irrelevant. it's noise that, that tends to just take focus away from the real issue. There's a contingent of people that are trying to, to scream that anyone who is opposing or even just asking questions about GMOs are some far left anti science crazy people, which which is ridiculous. So you won't hear us talk about that here. Period. This isn't left or right. Um, and this is one thing I actually spoke about. I got up and talked a little bit at the end of the of the meeting about the Trans Pacific Partnership because I was essentially answering a question that someone had asked at the meeting about uh, about how we can make a difference. And my answer was look, you know, we can't. We have to believe in our own voices, and we have to steer when, when conversations about things this important. And the Trans-Pacific Partnership is certainly one of them. The GMO controversy is most definitely one of them. We cannot let those conversations get shifted unnaturally into political left versus right conversations. They, they don't belong there. I always try to give some kind of action item on a regular basis for everyone that's involved with the Walk mile project. If you're listening to this or on our email list or just reading read online, We're always trying to give you something that that can empower you. And for this week, this is it. It's it's that as these conversations come up, as you're talking to people about the GMO situation and you're trying to open dialogue and, and get people to just have an honest conversation about this, if you're in a situation where someone tries to steer it into politics and make it left and right, I'd stop them immediately and say, look, this isn't left or right. This is not about conservative, liberal, whatever words you want to use. Nothing to do with that. We're talking about the food supply of the world. Okay, th- this trumps. It's bigger than any of that. When you break it down to logic, there is no one on any part of the political spectrum who is using logic and and sees the facts and everything that we're we're on that we're bringing out here with this project. There's no one that's going to deny how important this is, and th- there aren't going to be a whole lot of differences of opinion even because. Once you've gotten clear as to what's going on, you're going to see a lot of people unite and, and and it's going to be across multiple parts of the political spectrum. So that's the for me, that's the big thing right now after going to that meeting and, and just kind of thinking this through is that we need to make an effort to steer this away. Because I, I read a few just in the last week, I read a few articles that were talking about this whole left versus right thing in the GMOs. And, and let me say this, because this is what this is what makes me laugh about the whole thing. I learned about the GMOs a long time ago. I mean, it was still the 90s when I first discovered the, the whole concept and that I and learned that, I, that we were eating them already. And the person that really introduced me to that is one of the most far-right conservative people I know. She also happens to really be into healthy eating. She also happens to love whole foods. I hate to break it to people that think <laughs> that this is left and right, but but who do you think shops at Whole Foods? I mean, they have a big market across the country. So when you're talking about food, forget political parties, forget politics. It's all bigger than that. And it probably always will be. So the people that are trying to do that are simply trying to oversimplify what the issue is and keep keep you looking away from what the truth is. And it's, it's hard enough to find the truth as it is right now. As you can tell from our project, it's hard enough to dig deep and figure out what's going on without being sidetracked by some kind of left-right fake political argument. All right, so let me move on from that. Sorry for the soapbox there for a minute. That that's just something I think is really important. So back to uh, back to the article, the NPR article, which once again some some liberals and tea partiers unite to oppose trade deals. So I put that article up on the podcast page. It's a quick read and it's a good read. And and then I also put. A link up to a pretty extensive piece on a site called IATP.com, which stands for Institute for Agriculture and Trade Policy. I don't know much about them. So this this isn't an endorsement or anything. But I can't tell you anything about them. But what I was impressed with were the, a massive amount of references they included at the end of the article, because it's not always the case, but that tends to be a good sign. So there's a link to that on the podcast page as well. If any of you do further research and, and really think that particularly from the GMO standpoint, that we should dig a little deeper into the TPP, please send me an email at eric at and share your thoughts on that because we are always open to branching off in different directions within our core topic here. If it's, it's a place we need to go, if you find that's the case, please give us a shout out. In fact, you can even use the record button that we have set aside for uh, that other question. If you want, you can click on that button and send us an audio message that way as well. If, if you think that's easier, instead of just sending us an email. Even though it's not for the core question, it's something that we you know we might put you on the podcast. Okay, that wraps up GMO truth number four. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back within two weeks with our first interview, and I expect many more to follow because we are starting to line them up regularly. So expect the podcast to get more and more engrossing as we move forward here. Although I do certainly appreciate all of you hanging in there and listening to these when it's mostly been just me, but it's going to be better. I promise. All right, we'll be back soon with GMO Truth, number five. You've been listening to the Walk a Mile Project's GMO Truth Podcast. To stay up to date on new podcasts or to learn more and join in on our GMO investigation and upcoming feature film, head over to walkamileproject.com and sign up for free anytime, 24-7. And that... Is how we discover the truth and change the world together. There's a dream.